This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Listen, I play through it. I do the best I can. And not all heroes wear capes. Some of them are fat. Some of them are fat. <laughs> it's Chris Carlin. It's Gabe Neitzel in for Chris Canty today. Gabriel, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Chris. Looking forward to the next four hours hanging out with you. I'm, I'm glad the voice is doing better. We're getting there. We're getting there, but it's fine. Who cares? What I do care about is what's going on with the 76ers and Joel Embiid, and we start with that in just a moment at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're going to involve you heavily throughout the course of the show. Also, what is going on in Baltimore? Because the Ravens are doing their best impression of the New York Jets. We will get to that uh, as well in just a bit, but we begin today with the Philadelphia 76ers, last night's win, and Doc Rivers' proclamation after the game. The MVP race is over. I, I, I'm really, like tonight, we had, we couldn't make shots. We had guys making shots, uh, would open shots. The man just scored half our points in the NBA game. Um, and I'm biased, but the MVP race is over. Yeah, Gabe, listen, I won't argue with it. Uh, I for personally have felt like, all season long that this should have been more of a three-person race than a two-person race with Giannis getting a lot more of the attention than he has all season. But Embiid has played his way into this and frankly has whined his way into this to a degree with all of his complaining over the last couple of years. I'd be shocked at this point if he didn't win the MVP. Good for him. I also would like to see him win in the postseason which is something that is much more important. Yeah, uh, go ahead. That's that's where I'm at. Go ahead, win the MVP. Doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm in Milwaukee. Like I've I've seen Giannis win a couple of MVPs, and he has not once been like, oh, I, I deserve the MVP. Deserve the MVP. The, the Giannis is focused on getting back to the finals. It seems like Jokic, for the most part, is figuring out, okay, how do we actually advance in the postseason? Because the Nuggets, despite the brilliance of Jokic the last couple of seasons, they haven't been able to advance to the, very far in the postseason, getting to an NBA Finals. So, Embiid, you can worry about this. Doc Rivers can worry about that. They played a great game last night. It was a lot of fun to watch. The Celtics and 76ers last night, and Embiid was incredible. But good luck against the Celtics and Bucks going in the postseason. If this is what you're actually worried about, that you want to declare MVP races over when you should be worrying about the Celtics and Bucks. I I like where the Sixers are. Don't get me wrong. And I I worked in Philly when Embiid was first finally playing after two years of injury. This guy is a great personality for that town. But I have seen over the last year and a half to two years a little bit of souring on his part because of the lack of, I I think in his mind, recognition for what he does, which is why over the last week when we hear, uh, you know, MVP doesn't mean anything to me. If I win it, no big deal. That's complete and utter garbage when all you have done for two years is complain about it. And what do we hear last night when he is asked if, in fact, he has locked it down already? Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, they're probably right, but we got bigger goals. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, they're probably right, but we got bigger goals in mind. Uh, you know, we... Uh, we understand we got a chance, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, that's fine. That, that's great that you want to say all that, but it, it rings so hollow, Gabe, after how he's handled himself here the last couple of years. And I'll tell you what, 
When it comes to the postseason for Joel Embiid, there are no more excuses. There is no more Ben Simmons didn't duck the ball, didn't want to go to the free throw line. There's there's no more blaming Doc. There's no more we got beat by an unbelievable shot by Kawhi. There's none of it. It's on Embiid now. At some point when you're the superstar and you're the MVP, it's going to fall on your shoulders. It's crazy to think that the process, the trust the process 76ers, that the best that they have been able to do is the Eastern Conference semifinals. And like you said, that's a tough break. Having that incredible shot go in by Kawhi Leonard, that's a tough break. That doesn't go in. Who knows what the 76ers do if they go on, beat the Bucks, beat the, uh, you know, go on to the NBA Finals and, and win a championship the way that the Toronto Raptors did that season with Kawhi Leonard. But yet, okay, so that's one tough break. What, what's the excuse for that? That was 2019. Yeah. What about the rest of the time? Okay, you had one tough break. That's going to happen throughout the course of a, 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 you know of your career. You're going to have tough breaks. Go up against tough teams in the postseason. Not even getting to a conference finals for Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. Like that's the best it's that weak. the whole trust the process could do. That's that seems unbelievable to me. But that's what they're staring in the face because I don't think that they're going to be able to do it this year. They're going to be the three seed in the Eastern Conference. Do you think that they're going to beat the Boston Celtics in seven games in the Eastern Conference? semis listen i'm a little more down on the celtics than i was maybe a month a month and a half ago i think something's missing from the celtics uh chris canty has made this point a lot i think there's an awful lot of truth to it that they have a little bit more trouble out of the half court set than they should malcolm brogdon really has not fixed any of the problems for them but I, i would look at them right now and i would say that yeah i I do think the Sixers would beat the Celtics. Where I don't think the Sixers will win is against the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's not just because you're here today. Uh, (laughs) Being a guy from Milwaukee, who of course hosts on ESPN Milwaukee every morning with Jen Latta and Mark Chamora. It's not about that. It's about the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks are the most complete team right now, I would argue, in the league. With their depth, with their defense, with every way... They play, and the fact that Chris Middleton is starting to get back to looking like the player that he was before, I don't see where they would possibly beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the series. I just don't see it. That's the tough part in the Eastern Conference. In the West, it's just so deep. You you really don't know what's going to happen. And in the in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be one of three teams. It's going to be the Bucks, Celtics, or 76ers. And maybe I haven't given enough credit to the 76ers because I've been impressed by the Celtics all season long. But the one thing that concerns me about Boston are just like the whispers, well, Jalen Brown, he might not want to be here next year. And when you're yeah. starting to hear those whispers right now as yeah. you're heading to a postseason push, to me, that's just like a lingering problem where you have one bad game and all of a sudden it blows up into a bigger issue and you find yourself in a hole in a series that you're trying to fight your way out of. And Philly looked impressive last night. They, again, I, I don't want to take anything away from them. It seems like Embiid and Harden have figured it out. I, I just don't know if the depth of their roster is good enough to make a run to the NBA. Finals. I also don't know that I trust Harden to stay healthy. I also Very don't fair. know. Th- Very fair. I mean, I, I don't know that I trust him at that level to stay healthy. Uh, after what we've seen over the last few years. And look, I got to tell you, I really was, when I worked in Philadelphia, engaged by what Embiid could be and understanding that city and how he is the perfect superstar for it. But it has changed. And I feel like Embiid has more become the poster boy about why I don't get mine. And that means about his level of respect. And I can't argue with a darn thing 
he's done on the court this season. I just want to see what that's going to translate to. Because this is a year where in that town, if you don't get to the conference finals, that that's when the real talk starts. That's when the, is it ever going to happen with you talk really starts. Well, you just got to look, you mentioned the town and everything else that's going on with the major sports teams in that town. A lot of success happening, and this is supposed to be, especially if he wins the MVP, then doesn't that mean the pressure is especially on for him to carry them to an NBA? Absolutely. I'm not even just saying winning a championship. I'm just saying make a finals appearance. Yeah, well, and eventually get one. Within the next two years, get one. Because otherwise, it, it, it rings empty. And it's not about, Gabe, how we judge athletes now and they have to get their championship and all that. It's the fact that Embiid has put himself in this position by, by really being as vocal as he has the last couple of years about the lack of respect that he gets. Yeah, Dynamic maybe. player. Mm-hmm. As Doc said, scored half their points last night. Efficiently. Definition of the MVP. Yeah, efficient. Like again, you, yeah. if you watch that game last night, the way he can do it, he can knock down the deep shot. He's got a good enough mid-range game. He can back you down. Had a big block in the middle of the game as, as well. So he does it on the other side. If, you know, when you start comparing him to Jokic, who doesn't get those big blocks, is not as good of a defender. And you're going, okay, you put up all. You know, he's almost averaging a triple double in Denver, but he ain't getting that block that that Joel Embiid got last night. There's there's zero arguing with what he did, especially with what he did last night. So yeah, Doc. And, and Joel, they're 100% right, Carlin. They're 100% right. MVP race is over. All right, now you're the MVP. Now do something in the Eastern Conference playoffs where people will respect you and can't take it away, much like you did last night. Canty and Carlin, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Lamar's a heck of a talent, but man, we got a quarterback. Everyone knows Lamar's skill set. Lamar's a stud. I'm sure they'll work it out there, but Lamar's a great player. He makes a lot of money, but he's a heck of a player. Listening to the statements that were made, I was frustrated for him because a lot of owners, head coaches, GMs were talking out of both sides of their mouth, saying this guy is a top-tier quarterback, one of the best in the NFL, yet dot, 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 but we're not interested or we've got our guy or we're good with the three quarterbacks that we have. Ravens are an absolute abject mess. They're just an abject mess. The Ravens are becoming the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they can't get out of their own way. And it's amazing to believe that that's the case. Because, Gabe, for for years and years and years, before Ozzie Newsome uh, was to retire, all we heard about was Eric DaCosta. He's going to be the guy. He's the guy. Well, all I've seen is Eric DaCosta screw this up. And it comes from not signing Lamar a couple of years ago when the opportunity was there. You've had two full years to get this done, and you haven't gotten it done. And then today, the Ravens come out and have their pre-draft press conference. What do you expect the questions to be around? Of course, Lamar Jackson. Listen to a couple of the responses on that situation first here's eric DaCosta, the ravens gm yeah so those are you know i understand the need to ask those kind of questions uh i think just out of respect for the process this is a draft luncheon and we're going to try to keep as much of this discussion as we can to the draft to the coming weeks building the best football team we can build so i understand those questions i think we've spoken about this situation probably five different times this spring in various different press conferences and such so we're going to try to just kind of defer to those questions and move forward to the draft 
Oh, so we've talked about it five times already, and we're not going to talk about it anymore. Let's stick to the draft, where I tell you we're going to pick the best player available, and boy, there's an awful lot of good players in this draft, and we can evaluate. You can't draft by position. We hear every freaking draft cliche that you will hear at this time of year. You never hear a damn thing on record that means anything with the draft. So, Gabe, they kept trying to push and then Ravens PR got involved. You know, respect to the, this being about the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey guys, are guys, you, are you all looking at quarterbacks? Alex, 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 this is about the draft. Just move off the, the, the question about Let's just, we're, we're, we're not going to answer more questions today, okay? About the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situation that's going on? Yeah, you know, I don't think we really are. And actually, there's an actual answer. Yeah. <laughs> Did somebody get kicked out there? Is that what happened? I heard someone go out, out. Like, did somebody actually get booted from a some sort of luncheon today in Baltimore because they dared to ask about uh, Lamar Jackson and disrespected the process of asking questions about the draft? That's that's hilarious to me. Oh, out of respect for the process. Well, Colin, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't part of the process evaluating the roster you currently have and then trying to fill holes with some of the better players that in the that are in the draft? Isn't that it's all connected? I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how this process typically goes. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I, I think it is how this process typically goes. And th- this to me is why uh, we see so many of the problems with the Ravens right now. And they are headed for quarterback hell, and they have put themselves here. If Lamar's not going to play for them again, that seems very clear. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, Gabe, what is their best course of action? Well, that is to put themselves uh, in the best position to get their future quarterback. Now, is that we want to believe in what what you can with a guy like Will Levis? Do we want to position ourselves to go get Anthony Richardson? Or do we want to wait a year to go get another quarterback and we'll try to go draft Drake May next year or Caleb Williams? I mean, mean, Tyler Huntley was a pro bowler. Aren't you going to roll with Tyler Huntley? Oh, no, no, that's okay. I'm not a snoop I, I, guy. <laughs> I, I, I don't. No, but this is just me. He's not the guy. But anyway, no, he's not the guy. He is not the guy. That was more of a joke about yeah. the Pro Bowl. The fact that he made it to the Pro Bowl, and yeah, I think you would want to try to get involved in the process, looking at some of these guys. Maybe you you talk yourself into Hendon Hooker. That's a name that seems to have been gaining traction over the last week or so. And with with Hendon, because you have Huntley. Look, moving on from Lamar means you're hitting the reset button, and I'm not expecting you to make the postseason in 2023. So maybe somebody like Hendon Hooker can benefit from sitting a year behind Tyler Huntley where he's the short-term plan, and then you can go to Hooker in 2024 when he's healthy and fully recovered from the ACL and can get a full offseason under his belt, and, and you can feel good about him going forward. Maybe that's that's the route you decide to go. But again, like you are going to have to, no matter what, until this thing is done, you have to answer questions about Lamar Jackson. I, I, the, the Just trying to dodge them and pretending that the process isn't like this is not a thing that's going on in your world and him being on your roster or not being on your roster doesn't affect what you're doing in the draft is farcical. Yeah. Don't talk anymore. If that's the thing. Yep. You don't want to answer questions. You don't talk. Don't talk anymore. Get out of the way. Uh, If I were the Ravens right now, I would be trying to engage the Indianapolis Colts because I, I do believe the Lamar Jackson thing 
is going to pick up once the draft comes and goes in at least the first round. Because what does that mean? Well, anybody that is going to try to sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet is not going to be giving up a first-round pick in this year's draft because it will have already passed. So if I'm the Colts, I can do one of two things. I can engage them here and say, we'll give you the fourth pick for Lamar Jackson. They could still turn and trade him. And maybe, you know, one other thing. But that fourth pick is going to carry a lot of weight because you're going to have a shot at a quarterback. Or I would say, let me draft my best player here at the fourth pick who's going to make me better, whether it's Will Anderson, whether it's another defensive player. You know, they have a decent pass rush. I don't think you could ever have enough pass rushers. Their offensive line could be improved. Whatever. You could trade back and draft a lineman. Point being, draft somebody now and then go to the Ravens and say, okay, next two first-round picks, let's talk about Lamar. Let's, let's get the quarterback after the fact. It is rolling the dice, and I'm sure they'd have some discussions at first, but that might be a way to go. I mean, when you look around the league, I really like that, at least from the Colts' point of view, because, yes, yeah. you, then you get to hold on to that top five pick, and, I, yeah, I would get one of those, you know, a pass rusher, one of those top guys, because when you have a difference maker there, one of those great athletes there, that's going to make your defense better and give up your next two first-round picks, because if you have Lamar Jackson on your team, you feel pretty good about those picks being late teens at the worst, probably, you know, even a little bit later in the first round, especially in that division where you're going to have a really good opportunity to put together uh, you know, a, a pretty good record to make the postseason in the AFC. I, I love that idea from the Colts' perspective because you look around at the rest of the league and I'm not quite sure who else would be interested. Yeah, there are whispers in, in New England that uh, maybe Mac Jones is on the, the trade block and we know that Lamar Jackson has interest in playing new, in New England, but I don't see Bill Belichick doing that big splashy thing and bringing in Lamar Jackson from the outside. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay needs a quarterback. I, I think they just kind of want to hit the reset button and build their own, you know, kind of in the draft, figure it out and build that thing up naturally. The, the Colts make the most sense, A, because they've shown a willingness to bring in quarterbacks from the outside, and B, this would be so different from bringing what they've done because they've brought in Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz and uh, Matt Ryan, guys that are only going to be one-year guys. This is still somebody that you're going to build this team around. You've got some young, exciting offensive talent. Grow it with Lamar Jackson. That would make a ton of sense to me. Chris Carlin, Gabe Neitzel. Canty and Carlin, Gabe's in for Canty today on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speaker as well. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Are the Colts at the point of no return in trading for Lamar Jackson now, or should they draft a quarterback? And as far as the Baltimore Ravens are concerned is a turnaround and try to go get one now while Jackson is clearly still not coming back. 888 say ESPN lines are open. We'll hit them coming up up next though. We get more perspective on the situation. Where is Lamar in all of this right now? We get the very latest from one of our insiders in moments, Chris Carlin, Gabe Neitzel. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Who would be the interested bidders? First of all, Lamar Jackson's a fantastic player, but you know, it would be disingenuous in operating, negotiating bad faith if we went down that path. If you're Indianapolis, are we all in running the style that we have seen Lamar run for the first five years of his NFL career that allowed him to be MVP of the NFL? They said that he would be willing to take a non-fully guaranteed deal from somebody, whether that's Baltimore or anybody else. Nobody can answer these questions better than Kmart, Kimberly Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, joining Canty and Carlin, Gabe Neitzel in for Canty today on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Kmart, I was thinking about this uh, specifically for you yesterday as I'm looking in my closet, and I have uh-huh. I have three pairs of J's, of Jordans, and and I didn't go nuts to buy them, okay? But I really find myself asking myself this question a lot more lately. Am I too old? Where is the age cutoff line where that is still acceptable for someone to wear? As someone who, I mean, there is not a, a any more of a foremost authority on Jordans. Okay, well, there's, I'm literally in an literally in an Uber right now, mm. and there's an ambulance flying by. They must have hated your question. Um, <laughs> this whole yeah. situation that you bring up. Um, wait, so your question is, uh, are, what's the cutoff age for caring about? For wearing Jordans. For What's the cutoff age for wearing Jordans from where it looks cool to where it looks sad? <laughs> okay, Chris, as long as the fit is put together right, it, there is no cutoff. Because there's some old, there's some grandpas walking around, and if their whole fit looks good, you're like, ooh, he looks nice. Now, if you come, if you just put on some raggedy outfit and then throw on some J's, then we're looks nice. That's really, you know, there's really, it's not about, it's about style, not about age. So right there, in a very non-direct yet respectful way, you told me how you normally dress <laughs> does not fit with this. So we need to improve the style and not the Jordan part. Accurate? 
Yeah, just up the style game. Just a little bit. Just turn the volume up just a little bit. It'll be better. Just a little bit, dear God. <laughs> Kimberly Martin's with us. Uh, let, let's start with Lamar here, Kimberly. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about this very much. Where do you feel like, what team do you feel like would actually be the best fit for him? Honestly, the Baltimore Ravens are the best fit. Like, mm. that, that's what's so mind-numbing about this whole situation, which is why when I was standing behind Harbaugh at the owner's meeting, I said, John, how did we get here? Because both sides a year ago said they wanted to be together. The Ravens have maintained that they want Lamar as quarterback. And yet, here we are a couple weeks away from the draft or a month away from the draft, whatever, and there's still this feeling of could another team eventually pop into the mix and, and, and take Lamar? Um, I think he'll end up back in Baltimore because I don't think how, whether, whether it is a, an unspoken agreement among all the teams or whether it's just each team has their own reason and justification for not wanting to deal with an offer sheet or deal with guaranteed contracts or deal with just you know, the draft picks involved or whatever. Um, I think he'll, and I don't think there will be other teams unless the Colts, you know, don't get a QB that they want, the QB that they want in the draft. And then maybe after the, right after the draft, they trade for him. I, I, that's the only scenario I see, which is really, which is really shocking and surprising to me, especially the Jets. Like the minute the Ravens put that non-exclusive on Lamar, like that's the minute I go, as Joe Douglas and I'm saying, okay, now we're going to go after Lamar too. Like, it, 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 because I don't, when, when do we see quarterbacks of this caliber available? We rarely ever see it. And one who does not have anything off the field that we need to be concerned about. Um, so the fact that nobody wants Lamar just tells me, at least right now, publicly, that tells me that he might be back in Baltimore under duress. <laughs> he might find the franchise tag or he might say, you know what? I'm not signing it. Good luck to you guys. So if he ends up back in Baltimore, and I know you kind of laid it out there, but what does reconciliation look like there? It just seems like to me from the outside looking in, it's too far gone. Well, that's the thing. I think from the Ravens' perspective, the Ravens' perspective has always been, we want you. We're trying to, we don't want to give you the exact deal that you want, but we feel like we are offering you fair compensation. Now go test the market. Have have the rest of the other thirty one teams set the market. And the Ravens would match whatever is out there. That is why it's so shocking that no other team has said, Okay, we'll bite. But the reason is all thirty one, there's like, you know what, if we do all the work and come up with the contract, the Ravens just come right in and say, Okay, cool, we'll take that. This is what we'll pay you. And and so another team has done all the work for nothing. Um, from Lamar's point of view, that's what's really fascinating to me. Because what I, what I don't know at this moment and what I think is paramount in this whole conversation is what is his objective? Because if his objective is to ultimate, ultimately be the highest paid quarterback of all time or get guarantees of a certain number, if, if those are really truly um, his non-negotiables, then what do the Ravens do? Then I don't see how you reconcile this. Once the toothpaste is out the tube, I don't know how you get it back in. Um, if he just wants to feel a little bit more loved by Baltimore, then you can reconcile once you see like, oh, wow, literally no other team is saying it wants me, and yet here's Baltimore, the only team left. 
well, then do I just go back and say, okay, I'll play this year under the franchise? I just don't know what his what is his main objective. Is, is this stand bigger than just Lamar Jackson? Is it about guaranteed contracts, period? Because then that's a different conversation. And then that then we're looking at, gentlemen, just the beginning of a very long journey, not the end. Kimberly Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, just as a quick aside, I can't imagine paperwork just because somebody else could actually agree to the deal and and, Mm -hmm. uh, the Ravens could actually match it. Paperwork would really keep you from going and getting somebody. But (laughs) that that aside, that that aside, uh, there is the factor that the Ravens are approaching this draft and Eric DaCosta kind of alluded to it. Would they consider drafting a quarterback if they don't think this is fixable? Uh, I mean, I think he said, kind of like, as all teams right now, like everything's on the table for the most part for the Ravens. I, I, they have not budged as far as their conviction and their desires to have Lamar as their quarterback week one. Um, and even John Harbaugh and Phoenix was saying, you know, there's really no timetable deadline. Like, we need to have this. Like, we need to make sure that – He's our guy by such and such state. Obviously, there's a franchise deadline. But um, so I, I think if you're the Ravens, though, if you really here's the thing. Again, talk about motivation. I just talked about what is Lamar's ultimate motivation. What is the, what is the Ravens' ultimate motivation? Because you can play hardball. Like you can do the business thing. You can be like, all right, you don't know if you want to be here. Cool. And you can try to draft a guy in the first round, or you can. You know, say okay, we're we're talking to other teams about you, but I just think that that goes further into damaging the long term relationship that is here. And I'm think, and right now they hope that they can still salvage it. But once you start drafting QBs in the first round, like I, it just it just feels almost like the Aaron Rodgers situation where it's like, oh okay, you really want to do that? All right, bet you know. And and then now you're looking at a quarterback whose feelings are already hurt and who's already upset, and now you're just adding on to that. But the Ravens have to – I think the Ravens are in a much worse situation than the Jets are. I know everybody's all up in arms that they need to hurry up and get Aaron Rodgers on the contract. I think the Ravens actually are in a worse situation sure. than, than the Jets because at least Aaron Rodgers has said, I want to play for them. Lamar is like, eh, I already told these guys I want to be traded. Kmart, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Kimberly Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. It is Canty and Carlin. Gabe Neitzel is in for Canty today. ESPN Radio Series 6M Channel 80 up next. How quickly do the Packers, from their perspective, need to get Aaron Rodgers out of town? We'll ask Gabe in just moments on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. And Carlin, the podcast. All right, Gabe, we haven't talked in a while, but I have been feeling a certain way about the Aaron Rodgers situation for quite some time. And I think this probably sums it up. America held hostage. You know, these things are just out of my control. By Aaron Rodgers. Day 87. 
And so here we are. 87 days since the season ended. Can I borrow that from my show here in Milwaukee? By all means. Fantastic. By all means. By all means. Or you could go with this instead. America held hostage. You know, these things are just out of my control. By Aaron Rodgers. Um, just go ahead. I don't remember what day number we up to. <laughs> As you can imagine, it feels that way. And I can't imagine what it feels like on ESPN Milwaukee with this continuing to hover. But I'm fascinated, not just from the Jets angle and everybody sitting and waiting and when do they need to get them, get him into the building and get this deal done. But Gabe, I really want to know when the Packers need to rid themselves of this because there's been so much discussion back and forth about when or about who actually has the leverage in this situation. What is your read being out there on the front line, so to speak? Well, I don't think anybody actually has the leverage because, I mean, the, the Jets made it clear they want Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers made it clear that he wants to go there, and the Packers made it clear that they don't want him here. But because all of those things were said out loud, everybody thinks that they have leverage somehow in the situation. And if everybody thinks they have leverage, Carlin, then absolutely nobody has leverage. It's just a matter of these teams coming to their senses and actually figuring out some sort of deadline. And that becomes the question, when do the Packers need to have this done? I'm sure they would like to have it done and get draft compensation in this month's draft and have a first or more than likely a second round pick in their arsenal to try to help build around Jordan Love. But their fallback is, well, if we do this after June 1st, we can spread out Aaron Rodgers' cap hit, and instead of absorbing $40 million in 2023, we can absorb $16 million this year and $24 million next year and try to spread that out over two years instead of just having it being one large sum that's going to be on our salary cap this season. Listen, I I just his presence has got to be some sort of a black cloud, doesn't it? I I just... I. I know you're going to have off-season workouts coming up, and I know that they're going to continue to get asked about this. I'm sure, I don't know if the Packers have done their pre-draft press conference yet, but I'm sure when and if they do, this will be topic number one uh, about when this is going to get done. Uh, It all seems pretty clear that they have backed off the idea of having to have the 13th overall pick this year. Mm -hmm. But where do you, what are you hearing as far as, what they actually do want at this point. Well, from my understanding, part of the sticking point could be that the Jets want compensation back. I don't know what that compensation would be. In, in terms of draft capital in 2025, should Aaron Rodgers not play in 2024? Right. And I, I don't think the Packers are just kind of looking at him going, no, if we trade him to you, whenever he retires, that's your problem. We're getting yeah. rid of him so we don't have to worry about any of that and have that affect us anymore going forward. So the Jets are trying to trade for this quarterback, make their run at the postseason, potentially a Super Bowl, if that's what they're talking themselves into with their roster. And it's a pretty good roster, especially if you add Aaron Rodgers to it, but that's the cost of doing business. If that's the guy you want to go get, you don't get to have assurances, well, if he decides to retire and he doesn't play for us going forward. So I think that's the sticking point, which is you know, now more whispers of potentially other teams maybe trying to sneak in and negotiate. That's only good for the Packers because that could put pressure on the Jets to go forward because they've made it clear they don't want anything to do with Lamar Jackson, that they're all in on this Aaron Rodgers thing. So should another team come and swoop in, 
it would be very Jets of them for that to happen, and then they're just kind of stuck with Zach Wilson. Or if a quarterback maybe falls to them at at 13, they end up taking that quarterback, which we know how Mike Greenberg feels about that. After yeah. uh, <laughs> He went absolutely oh nuts on, on Get Up yesterday. But I, I, don't, I think the Packers are playing this right. Right now, the Packers can play it cool. They can play it calm. They can play it confident, mostly because... I believe they don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to show up to off-season workouts. Rodgers could force their hand and turn this thing into a circus if he shows up to you know these off-season workouts, which is something, by the way, ironically, he did not show up to last <laughs> year, refused to show up to. So if he showed up this year to force their hand, that'd be a little funny. But with all the things with Aaron Rodgers, say what you want about him. I think he still remembers what it was like when Brett Favre showed up on family night, which is the Packers, you know, preseason scrimmage before they start see uh, actual preseason games. Yep. When Brett Favre showed up in the circus that went around that and how that affected him, I believe he respects Jordan Love enough not to show up and make things really difficult on Jordan Love, the person who I believe he actually respects. Listen, I, I think at this point, if you're the Jets, it, the most important thing to me to know is does he plan on being a part of the off-season activities? Is he going to help us get ready? If he is, get him in sooner rather than later. Canty and Carlin, Lakers next. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.